Welcome to the Justin Peters Program, where we're searching the scriptures to see if these things are so, studying to show ourselves approved, rightfully dividing the word of truth so that we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here's your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you are doing well. I want to thank you for joining me. And I'm recording this on the evening of December the 27th. And uh, we have had our first big snow of the year. We've got about uh, five or six inches on the ground outside right now. It is still snowing. And we're supposed to get another three or four, maybe five inches before it's said and done with tomorrow morning. Uh, believe it or not, I did get out and about today. I got in my truck and I drove into a walk-in clinic to uh, have something looked at and uh, no big deal. I'm good to go. Well, I say I'm good to go. I want to take a little detour here. Uh, <laughs> speaking of a walk-in clinic, the reason I first went there several weeks ago, and many of you know I have a kidney stone and I've, I've still got it. Chase a little rabbit here because of jog my memory, but I, I do still have my kidney stone. Several of you have emailed me, and I uh, thank you for asking about that. Uh, many of you have said you are praying for me. It's that's very encouraging. I want to thank you so much for that. Uh, it's good to know. It's good to know I've got people listening to the program, and it's also good to know that um, you are praying for me. Uh, I have a I have a kidney stone. I guess a pretty good size one, seven point four millimeters, from what I'm told. And uh, it is uh, stuck in my urethra. And so I think on January the 5th, I'm going to have this little dude taken care of, I hope. Um, I'm either going to have ureteroscopy or lithotripsy. So if you're listening to this program and you have experience with either one, I would love to hear from you. <laughs> I really would. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, different people are telling me different things. Do the lithotripsy, do the ureteroscopy, and... And so, anyway, still kind of weighing that, but would love to hear from you uh, if you've had either one of those in the past. So, um, anyway, not you know, it's it's weird. My urologist said uh, when he when he looked at the results on the CAT scan and told me what I had and where it was, even showed it to me on the screen. Uh, he said, "You ought to be in excruciating pain right now," and uh, I'm not. So I don't I don't know why I've had some pain. But not the drop to your knees, wish you were dead kind of pain that so many people uh, describe having with kidney stones. I've not had that. I've had significant um, dull pain from time to time, but um, I, I just haven't been in a great deal of pain, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm not sure why I haven't, but uh, God's grace, um have not, so hope to avoid it. Hope to kind of get get over this thing without having that wish you were dead kind of pain that everybody talks about with kidney stones. So anyway, uh, it's not over and done with yet. Still have to make a decision on what procedure to have. So I appreciate your continued prayers for me and my wife. This is, of course, nothing life-threatening, but um, anyway, something needs to be taken care of. So um, yeah, so we've got uh, some snow on the ground. And actually, my pastor, Jim Osmond, just left here a little bit ago. Uh, Kathy and I were sitting here in the RV trailer. It's dark, and uh, we hear the scraping outside. And and open the door, and there is our pastor Jim with his snow shovel, shoveling our sidewalk and uh, shoveling our steps. 
to the RV. That's the hardest part for me living in the RV is, is climbing up and down those steps and even a little bit more so with snow on it. So on those steps. So he was shoveling some snow for us and gave us some, uh, ice melt, some kind of little pellets that you put on sidewalk and, uh, uh whatnot. It's supposed to melt the ice for you a little bit. So great guy, you know, not a, not a, uh, you've heard me say before there, there are some really good churches out there and there are some really good pastors, but there's not a whole lot of senior pastors. There are, there are some, don't hear me wrong. There are some, because I know them. Uh, I know the Rob Hollis's, you know, in Texaco, New Mexico, and John Prettyman's, and Central City, Nebraska, and, and um, is, uh, they're they're out there. Uh, uh, but there's not a lot of senior pastors who, on a Saturday night, will show up at your place shoveling snow for you. But uh, Jim is one of those guys, so really appreciate him. So as we get started, dear ones, I want to let you know that I am in the RV, and we do have our heater on. It's not on at the moment. But in all likelihood, just at any time, it is going to kick on. And so I do want to apologize from the get-go here that we'll probably, once again, have some background noise. But uh, Lord willing, we'll only have a couple of more programs. We have to worry about that. We should be in our house about mid-January. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now, about two and a half weeks from now. So... Lord willing, in mid-January, January 14th, 15th, something like that, we should be moving into our home, getting out of the Heidi Ho RV park, getting out of the RV trailer, uh, which will be nice. We're getting kind of claustrophobic here a little bit, but uh, we are thankful for it nonetheless. All right, uh, well, speaking of Jim, uh, let me let you know where we're going to be headed in the next few weeks. Uh, Jim and I have recorded a series of 12 radio programs together. We recorded them over the past few days. And so probably beginning at the end of January, uh, I'm going to begin a series on spiritual warfare. Jim, my pastor, has written a book entitled Truth or Territory, A Biblical Approach to Spiritual Warfare. And Jim asked me to write the foreword to the book, so he sent me the manuscript some months ago, and I read the manuscript, and it was excellent, excellent. Uh, so I was very honored to have that, uh, to be given that um, uh, privilege to write the foreword to his book. And his book is not going to be available on in print format. Uh, as of right now, it's just going to be available in a Kindle format. Um, but you can you can get it. And in fact, the website is truthorterritory.com. Truthorterritory.com. I'm really, really excited about this book. Spiritual warfare is something that has been dis much discussed. There's been a ton of ink spilt on it. Unfortunately, little of that ink is of any use, has been put to good use. When we think of spiritual warfare, most of us, and I myself was in this camp, uh, I used to think of the Frank Peretti kind of, you know, these swashbuckling angels and demons and you got to, you know, these battles in the heavenlies and, and we've got to bind Satan and bind the demons and rebuke them and map out demons because they have territory. So we've got to do the spiritual mapping and, and we've got to, we've got to put on each piece of, um, armor, you know, the helmet of salvation. We've got to imagine this, putting on the helmet of salvation and the, 
the belt of truth and the sword of the spirit and put our sandals feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace you know so get ready to do battle and and we've got to go in and do battle with the enemy and do battle with satan and do battle with the demons and bind them and rebuke them and pray hedges of protection and all this and and Jim's book is going to bring um, a, a very much needed voice of sanity and a very much needed voice of biblical clarity on these issues. So if, if you have looked at all at spiritual warfare and you've been uh, kind of confused by this, well, uh, join the club. There's a lot of people confused by it because there's so much disinformation out there on spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is real, to be sure. It is real, but it's not really the Frank Peretti kind of um, reality. It's not the, the Bob Larson's going out there and performing exorcisms. So uh, I'm, we've recorded 12 programs, and I will begin airing those, I believe, towards the end of January. So I'm really looking forward to it. Please do listen. Please take notes. Uh, but get the book, too. Uh, there's a lot more in the book than what we were able to, to cover in our program. So, uh, uh, so listen to the programs, but get the book as well, truthorterritory.com. Okay, well, what I want us to begin doing in the next couple of three programs, two to three to four, I'm not sure, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture together. And the passage is Matthew chapter 11. Verses 25 through 30, Matthew 11, 25 through 30, and, and the title that I'm giving this is Rest for the Weary. So let's lead, read, lead the text. Let's read the text, Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is going to be our, our main text, but in order to, um, if I were a pastor, if I, was, if I were preaching, say, through the book of Matthew, before I got to this text, of course, I would have preached the text before it. And that's what you do with expositional preaching, I hope, at your church. That's what you are getting. You are getting a, a diet of expositional preaching. That is certainly what um, a pastor should be doing. And so if I were a pastor, and I'm not, but if I were, I would have preached the text before this, verses before this, just to provide some of the context. This is expositional preaching. And expositional preaching is is good because if it's if it's done if, if it's done properly uh, the preacher is rightly robbed of any personal agenda he may have uh, because the content of his sermons provided of course that he is rightly dividing the word of truth the content of his sermons is dictated 
not by his own personal agenda, but dictated by the text. This is expository or expositional preaching. And if it's done properly, expositional preaching not only gets to the meaning of the text, but it also provides the context of the text. And so for a little bit of context, let's look up at verse 20. Uh, verse 20, Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Then he, Jesus, of course, he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades. For if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. And I, I don't have time, well, I guess I do have time. It takes as much time as I want as my radio program, but I'm not going to fully expound the, the those verses. But I do want to talk about them just a little bit, glean a couple of things from these verses just to provide a little bit of context before we get to our primary text, which is verses 25 through 30, which I read just a moment ago. But a couple of things to say about these verses. Uh, when Jesus upbraided these cities, uh, he, he upbraided them. Uh, he, he denounced these cities of uh, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. And it was, it was uh, these cities in which Jesus had performed most of his miracles. Most of the miracles that Jesus performed, he performed in these three cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, uh, the latter of which, Capernaum, Jesus had chosen as his ministry headquarters. Now, he upbraided them, he denounced them, because despite the abundance of signs and wonders that he did in these cities, the inhabitants of these cities refused to repent. They refused to repent. And this teaches us a couple of things. Number one, contrary to what many professing Christians claim, and please do, yoke, do note, um, uh, you dear ones of the term professing Christians, contrary to what many professing Christians claims, claim, miracles, signs, and wonders are not sufficient in and of themselves to bring the lost to a saving knowledge of Christ. Signs and wonders are not sufficient in and of themselves to bring the lost to a saving knowledge of Christ. Christ performed more miracles in Capernaum than in any other single city. It was in Capernaum that Jesus healed Jairus' daughter. It was in Capernaum that Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood. It was in Capernaum that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. My apologies to our uh, anyone who's a Roman Catholic listening. Though it's a little bit difficult for the Catholics that Peter had a mother-in-law because in order to have a mother-in-law, of course, she must be married, and Peter was supposedly the first pope, but I digress. But it was in Capernaum that Jesus performed all these miracles, all these signs and wonders. So miracles, signs, and wonders are not enough in and of themselves to get people to repent. Pagan religions practice miracles and signs as well. 
people in Hindu kundalini practice uncontrollable laughter, the charismatic version of Holy Ghost laughter. They they get slain in the spirit. They fall over. Somebody will touch them on the head, and they'll fall over, fall out, just like a charismatic does. They prophesy. They have their own prophecies. And get this, they even have physical healings. They have reported physical healings. And they speak in tongues. They speak in tongues. And they do it just as convincingly as any in the charismatic movement. So pagans do these things too. Signs and wonders in and of themselves cannot bring people to a place of repentance. Only when people submit to the convicting power of God's Holy Spirit, and only when they cease to do what Paul says in Romans 1, uh, verse 18, I believe it is, only when they, they cease to suppress the truth in unrighteousness, then and only then will they be converted. Miracles, signs, and wonders, of course, certainly did have a purpose. Jesus did them, but until people submit to the convicting power of God's Holy Spirit. Uh, it does not matter what kind of sign and wonder you show some someone, if they are lost, if they are dead in trespasses and sins, uh, they are not going to come to Christ. Uh, you might recall the account of uh, that Jesus gave in Luke's Gospel, recorded in Luke's Gospel, the, the um, what I believe was a parable, there's some dispute about it, but the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, both of whom died. Of course, you remember this. Uh, Lazarus died, went to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and went to a place of torment. And uh, that their their financial status is kind of secondary to the to the to the text. Um, the, the rich man did not go to the place of torment because he was rich. Lazarus did not go to Abraham's bosom because he was poor. Each man went where he was spiritually prepared to go. But you remember when the rich man woke up in the lake of fire and he, he saw across this great chasm and he saw Lazarus there in Abraham's bosom, he cried out. He said, uh, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my five brothers and warn them not to come to this place. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Well, Moses and the prophets had been dead for centuries. How could they hear Moses and the prophets? Well, they could hear Moses and the prophets through the word of God. The, the, the words of Moses and the prophets were recorded in the scriptures. That is how they heard that he could hear Moses and the prophets. But you might remember that uh, when, he, when he heard this, he said, No, Father Abraham, but if somebody were to come back from the dead, then they will believe. Then they will repent. Abraham said, if they will not hear Moses, if they will not hear the prophets, neither will they believe, even if somebody were to come back from the dead. So, dear ones, uh, signs and wonders are simply unable in and of themselves. That's not what uh, to bring people to a saving knowledge of Christ. That is, that is not their purpose uh, it's not there to design. Certainly they pointed people to the Savior, but until people come to a place of repentance, you know, until then they will not come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And the second thing that we learn from this text is that the sin of indifference is far more serious than the sin of actively opposing the gospel. 
the sin of indifference is far more serious than the sin of actively opposing the gospel. And here's what I mean by this. Unlike other cities, the residents of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum did not take any direct action against Christ. They basically ignored him. They were indifferent. They did not actively oppose him. Now, from our human perspective, it would seem that Jesus would be the most indignant at those cities which did actively try to harm him. For example, it was the residents of Nazareth who tried to throw him off a cliff. Remember this, Luke chapter 4? Nazareth, uh, people in his own hometown, they tried to throw him off a cliff. Interestingly, they tried to throw him off the cliff, you might remember, because he got up and he read from the prophet Isaiah. And uh, people were wondering at the, uh, uh, well, he read from the scroll, he read from, read from the scriptures, from prophet Isaiah, sat down. And he said, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And the people were marveling, says, at the gracious words which fell from his lips. But then, Jesus went on to basically exegete this, flesh it out, and he began talking about the doctrine of election, God's sovereignty and salvation, the doctrine of election, and immediately they turned on him. They were livid at him, and they were, they, they were just absolutely enraged, and they they basically chased him out of there and tried to push him off a cliff. They tried to kill him. Why? Because he started talking about election. Because he started talking about God's sovereignty. And it enraged them. And I, I think that's interesting, is it not? Um, you know, he, those of you who have listened to me for uh, some time, you know that I do hold to the doctrines of grace. I am one of those mean, nasty Calvinists. I, uh, I don't like to call myself a Calvinist because it's kind of a loaded term nowadays and I'm not a disciple of John Calvin, but I do believe in the in election. I do believe in the doctrines of grace because they are so clearly taught in Scripture. I also believe in man's responsibility, which we will get to when we get to the main part of our text. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I find it interesting that 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 when it comes to the, the doctrines of grace, people get so angry and they get so bitter. Uh, and, and, and these people who have this deep-seated, visceral hatred for something that is so clearly taught in Scripture, it makes me wonder about them. It makes me wonder about them. Now, some people uh, who would not call themselves a Calvinist or who do not believe in predestination as God's word teaches it. Now there are some people who are just ignorant of it, who just do not understand this doctrine, uh, but they're not necessarily antagonistic towards it. Maybe they've never been taught it. Maybe they've heard caricatures of it. They don't really understand it. They don't understand the, 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 the true nature of what it is. But they're not, they're not antagonistic towards it. You know, and, and somebody like that, you know, I, that's okay. You know, let's talk about it. Let's talk about election. Let's have a conversation about it. Uh, let's look at what the scripture says. Uh, those kind of people don't, don't bother me. You know, I'm not worried about those folks. But all these folks that have this deep-seated, visceral hatred who bristle. I mean, the, the hairs on, their, on the back of their neck stand up whenever you talk about election. They hate it. It's hard for me to understand how 
anybody can be indwelt by God's Holy Spirit, indwelt by the, the person of the Holy Spirit, and have such a hatred for a doctrine that is so clearly taught in Scripture, for a doctrine that is so God-honoring and so God-glorifying. Uh, and some people have this view of a Calvinist. Well, Calvinists are mean and they're, they're arrogant. And, well, I'm, I'm sure there are some. I'm sure there are some. But I would say that those those kind of Calvinists don't really understand the doctrine themselves. Because properly understood, the doctrine of election is the most humbling doctrine there is because it strips from us everything that we think we have to contribute to our own conversion. It strips us and it lays us bare. Uh, and and so properly understood, the doctrines of grace, doctrine of election, the doctrine of election is, is very humbling. And, uh, dear ones, I'm sure you, you hear the, the heater has come on. And I'm sorry for this. I know it's kind of an awkward place to end the program, but I'm, I'm just not sure that you're going to be able to hear me too well. So uh, we've gone about 25 minutes as it is. I'm looking forward to this study with you in, in, this, in this passage of Scripture. There's a lot more ground. I thought we would get a lot further today than what we did. But uh, uh, please do join me in the next two or three programs. We're going to walk through this, and we'll talk more about election. We'll talk more about this, uh, what was going on with these cities of uh, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. And then we'll get to our main passage, verses 25 through 30. So thank you, dear ones. Uh, again, appreciate your prayers. Let me hear from you. And until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to the Justin Peters program. If you have a question or comment for Justin or would like to invite him to come and speak at your church or conference, contact him through his website, justinpeters.org. That's justinpeters.org.